Welcome to My Teacher Friends Podcast. My name is Rachel, and I am a middle school choir teacher. I'm so excited to be hosting this podcast to share stories, teaching tips, and inspiration. Each week, I'll be joined by one of my smart, talented, passionate teacher friends for a conversation about all things education. Join us, because there's no job as challenging or as rewarding as being a teacher. Hey everyone, how are you? Oh, what a question, right? (laughs) Lots going on, lots going on. Well, hey, I'm so excited that you are here and that you have chosen to take some time to yourself, hopefully, to listen to this incredible interview today. If this is your first time visiting the podcast, you definitely chose the right day to visit. Um, And if you are a returning listener, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. I know that there's so much on everybody's plates, everybody's agendas right now, that I just really want to share my gratitude and thank you for being here because it means a lot to me and I hope that you are able to gain some knowledge and new insight through listening to this podcast. It's been interesting to look at where all of the listeners are coming from. We have listeners from all over the world, from South Africa to Australia to Germany, Norway, the United States, Canada. It's so fun to see where all these listeners are coming from. And I just, I'm just so grateful that you are interested and open to learning from me and my, the people that I interview. So thank you for being here. I am so glad you're here. I hope that you are comfortable. I hope that you are able to just kind of focus in on what's going on today in the podcast. I think this is the first interview I've done with a coworker. I'm very excited to have my coworker Chris on the podcast. And before I tell you any more, I do want to let you know that this podcast was recorded at the end of November 2020. So In our ever-changing world, much has changed since then, but just to kind of give you insight as to when we recorded it, that is when the recording happened. I also don't often mention full names on this podcast. I feel like you can figure it out if you're really interested, but I do want to just preface this episode with if you are interested in learning more, Google the name Chris Gleason, and I think you will find many answers to what you are looking for. In addition to teaching instrumental music, my friend Chris was the 2017 Wisconsin Teacher of the Year, the 2017 semi-finalist for the Grammy Music Educator Award, and the first Wisconsin teacher to be named a finalist for National Teacher of the Year in 50 years. This man is incredible. I have learned a lot from him over the short time I've known him. To be honest with you, 
(laughs) and Chris, this might be the first time you're hearing me say this, before I started my current job, I did not know the name Chris Gleason. (gasps) Music educators are like, what? But yeah, uh, I had no idea. So um, I've learned a lot from this amazing man, and I'm sure I still have lots to learn. So enough from me. Let's dive right into the interview with my friend, Chris. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Chris. I've known Chris for three years now. Let's get started with a little bit about you. Can you share your educational history, where you went to school, and what other professional jobs you've had leading up to where you are today? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I grew up in La Crosse, Wisconsin, um, attended Logan High School on the north side of La Crosse, and then from there, uh, went to the great University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, studied uh, music education, and uh, performance also, but primarily music education. Um, And then uh, taught in Southern Wisconsin uh, for uh, about two years at a small school in Southern Wisconsin, and then went back to um, uh, kind of the hometown area to teach for a while before um, landing where I am now, where I've been for the last, oh man, 14 years or so. And so along the way, you know, been involved in some different organizations like the WSMA, obviously, and um, done some work for uh, Teacher Plus and recently the NEA um, Foundation with their global leadership. So I've been very lucky to have had lots of opportunities um, that have been come, come my way. Yeah. And what did you get your degree in specifically and what have you taught? Yeah, it's uh, instrumental music education um, with certification in general music also, 612. uh, And have taught general music classes. Primarily everything's been middle school for my 24 years. So I've taught band obviously for that entire time, but um, some general music along the way. And then recently added uh, high school marching band to that as well. But I've had those uh, opportunities to do that through my teaching thus far. And then, you know, through the WSMA working with um, honors ensembles and um, other entities such as that. Do you have any memorable interview stories? Um, (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, I've, I've been I've had the opportunity to to work with some amazing leaders in and around education and not just music education. Um, I mean, Johanna Hayes, who's now part of Congress, was fun, you know, but Ben Folds uh, had the opportunity to to work with him, Alfie Cohn, um, you know, so it's, you know, I've been blessed to have had opportunities to to interact with some great educators. And, you know, I you, you hear those names and uh, sometimes, you know, it's just about name dropping or just, you know, certain people and so on. But I can tell you some of the most poignant interviews, um, people that just discussions, you know, interview sounds formal, but just having casual conversations with just great teachers and not only just in education, but or in music education, but in education, you know, right now, some of my closest friends are from different countries. I mean, in, in different parts of the United States. Um, people that I love to just call up and, and have great conversations with. They're not always composers or, you know, uh, famous folks as far as, you know, what we perceive in, in education, but just really good human beings who are great teachers. What do you remember about your first year of teaching? 
Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my first concert's well documented. You know, we've all probably have heard that one already where, uh, where my, my students had no idea what they were doing, nor did I. Um, and I felt, felt like leaving. Um, it's tough, you know, the, that first year, um, it, it's a lot about survival, I guess, a little bit. And that's the thing. You, you come out of college thinking that you're prepared for anything that's going to happen. And to be honest, that's not their job. The university's job is not to prepare you for all things. It's to give you the tools to adapt and to make something of it. And uh, I think my um, education really helped me with that because um, it gave me a way to kind of figure out, okay, what's going on and what do I have to learn? You know, I was still curious and it was that curiosity that led me to uh, CMP, you know, Comprehensive Musicianship Through Performance, which led me to find other great teachers and to emulate what they're doing and to just ask more and more questions. So that first year was rough. <laughs> it was, it was, it was pretty hard, but um, I learned, I learned a lot that first year, probably more than any other year. Do you have a favorite teaching moment that sticks out in your mind so far in your career? You know, it's tough because uh, uh, there are just certain days where things go well, you know, where you just, where things click and uh, the lesson plan you had worked. And those are great days. Those are really wonderful days. Um, I, one that sticks out to me that I keep coming back to, but it was just a moment. It was uh, with the, we commissioned a piece uh, called Blue and Green Music with Sam Hazone. We're at the state teacher convention, uh, music education convention in Wisconsin, um, about to premiere the piece of music with the composer conducting. You know, and, and there's a lot on the line there. You know, you're in front of your colleagues, which is scary, but then you have a commission, a composer, you know, who you want to do right by that person. And you want to have the kids do well for all those reasons as well. And and to add a little more pressure, we had, you know, living relatives of Georgia O'Keeffe, whom which the, the actual piece of music is based on, you know, in the front row, it's just like, <laughs> it was one of those moments. But, you know, we, at the end of the performance, you know, kids did well and, and the performance was one thing, but really the, the best part of it was at the end, they didn't want to leave. Like they wanted to stay on that stage. They recognized the, the brilliance of that moment. And uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. That was amazing. Yeah, what an experience. I can imagine that was very memorable. And what about a hardest part of your career so far? Well, I, I mean, like many, you know, probably like the folks listening, it's now, you know, this is a, this is a challenge. Uh, what we do in music classes wasn't necessarily meant to be taken online. You know, the best parts of what we do when I ask kids is they say the collaborative nature of it, it's the friends, it's being with each other. Well, that's completely gone, you know, other than through a screen, you know, which is difficult to do for all the technical reasons, but it's hard to make real communication, real connections with, with kids and with each other um, through this platform. So I think that's a challenge is to find new and inventive ways, you know, to take, um, take the best of what we do and then translate it into a completely different paradigm, you know, it, and it can be done. It's just that it's a challenge. Um, and, you know, I miss conducting. I miss being in front of the kids. I miss being spontaneous in, in those musical moments. And I'm finding myself teaching around those different things and it's fine, but I'll be happy to go back. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because through 
college and then even like the first couple years of teaching, I was always asked the question, what would you do if, if the students weren't performing? Like what, how else can you think of your job instead of just performance? And I always thought, I mean, for me, I love the performing aspect of what we do as music teachers. I think that's, um, the kids find so much um, worth in that. And I don't know, it's just a really cool experience for them. So I always thought like, oh, well, I don't know. And now that is taken away. And I've had to also just, I mean, we all have had to totally flip how we, we're teaching, um, keeping some things the same, but it's been really good and challenging for me to, for the first time, like really have that taken away. So I have to think about teaching in, in new creative ways and I'm learning a lot. And some days I, I love when it clicks and the kids are getting a new concept and I'm teaching it in a different way than I normally would. And some days are challenging and just missing, you know, at this time, at this point, we would almost have two performances done with, with the year and, and the kids are excited to sing and just trying to engage them in new ways. So, okay, moving on. So I've been kind of clumping these questions together so you can answer them however you want. Um, what's going well for you in teaching right now? And maybe talk about at your school. Well, we're at the same school. Um, but what, what teaching looks like. And then teaching tips. So each of us will give one tip for the listeners to try. What's a teaching tip? Something that has worked well for you in your classroom environment and for your own self-care right now. I would say, you know, something that's going well is something that it's always going well in a way. I mean, like I believe there are certain truths to teaching, certain principles that are always true. And especially in difficult times like that, like now, I just tend to lean on those a little bit more. Um, so one truth is, uh, well, one that I believe in is intrinsic motivation and talking about autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And I really believe in those principles. And they've really, again, have shown that they work and that they're meaningful in any human life. You know, we all want to have some choice over what we do. And I've found that already with my students that allowing them choice, some autonomy, um, some space to make some decisions really has helped them to find purpose and meaning in what they're doing. But also, you know, we, you hear a lot about uh, engagement, right? You hear administrators and others saying, we need to engage these kids. Um, but I would take it a step farther and say, how do we empower them? It's, it's not just about coercing them or manipulate them into turning their camera on or, you know, uh, you know, getting them to fill out that Google form. It, it's more than that because otherwise we're just working towards compliance and that's not enough. I mean, we need to empower these students so that they're making some decisions and then finding out if those choices made a difference in their lives and so on. So falling back on that idea of autonomy so if there's a tip I would offer, it would be to allow for some choice with your students. And it doesn't mean like it's open-ended. It could be choice within a variety of other good options that you put out for them. <laughs> you know, you could give them five options and they're all good, but then allow them some choice. Um, the other part of that is mastery. And that is showing students that they're getting better at something that matters to them. And I think right now that comes back to communication. So how do you communicate with students? So I guess the second tip is thinking of ways in which you can communicate with students on a regular basis that shows them that they're improving, that they're making progress. 
um, because that's empowering to those kids. That's going to be something that's going to be meaningful to them. And then last, making it relevant, purpose, right? Making this all relevant, um, explaining to students or even better at asking them questions so that they come with a reason, like, why does this matter? Um, why are we doing this? And giving them things to work towards that are project-based, that are authentic, that allow them to use their skills to benefit others. Um, so autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And those are things that any grade level, you can do them. You can change them so they're appropriate to any grade level. Maybe at the six, seven level, we are still giving them five choices and they pick from that. And then by the time they get to high school, if they're used to having choice, maybe they won't need as much, for lack of a better word, like hand-holding so that when they get to high school, they can make that decision or that choice on their own. Right. Yeah. Gradual release of responsibility. I mean, that's that's the idea is to allow them more and more options. I mean, if we're looking, we're trying to make self uh, uh, lifelong learners, right? Because that's like an everyone's final goal, you know, for, for students, then they need to have the opportunity to start making some decisions, you know, rather than being told what to do all the time. So allowing that choice is, is a really powerful way to do that. Absolutely. And now more than ever, I always say relationships matter. So how do we build those relationships? We have to communicate with our students. And there are so many different ways to do that, whether you are in person or virtual right now. And sometimes it takes trial and error, but you, you can still communicate with them. And not just relationship building at the start of the school year, but continuously throughout checking in on your students and making sure that they're okay now more than ever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are great tips. My two tips for the week for teaching. I this this kind of this isn't a specific teaching tip that I use with my students, but it definitely has been helping me. I am a part of a bunch of different Facebook groups with different choral and music educators throughout the country, probably the world in some cases. And I've really been leaning on those because we're all in different boats right now. So some of these teachers are teaching in person, some are hybrid, some are virtual. And me right now as fully virtual, I'm looking for new ideas. And there are so many amazing ideas out there. So I've really been leaning into that. And it's it's a click away. I mean, thinking back before we had all this networking um, on the computer, if I were to have to think of these things on my own, or I, I just, I'm very thankful that right now I can just go to Facebook, click on a group and search and explore that way. And then for self-care, at the time of this recording, we are entering the holiday season. So uh, my partner and I picked up a real Christmas tree for the first time yesterday and got outside in the fresh air and uh, forgot to water it already. So it is <laughs> currently being watered. Um, but yeah, we're going to decorate that. So that's been bringing me some joy. Did you have a self-care tip that you wanted to share with the listeners? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, uh, like you said, getting outside, you know, um, I like going for runs and, uh, and and listening to good books, you know, or music, obviously, but it's, it's getting outside. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've been very blessed with some nice weather in Wisconsin here. Okay, well, moving on, it is time for the timed test. And I know you, Chris, love tests. So um, are you ready? I'm ready. 
Okay, as a kid, I personally loved those third grade multiplication time tests. So today we're gonna flip the deck and have a teacher timed test. You'll have 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can. I have my timer ready. Are you ready to go? Let's do this. Okay, here we go. Favorite month of the school year? September. School lunch, always, sometimes, never. Never. Favorite thing to do in the summer that you don't do during the school year? Oh, I would say going uh, boating. Teacher's lounge, always, sometimes, never. Never. Nothing against it, just can't get there. <laughs> First name of a student that had a huge impact on you? Betty. <laughs> going into school on the weekends, always, sometimes, never. Sometimes. A teacher that inspired you as a child? Uh, Mr. Mulrooney. Teaching summer school, always, sometimes, never. Always. A teacher that inspires you today? Oh, Rachel Zarziski. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That brings us to yeah. our time. There we go. <laughs> You're too kind. All right. Good job. You passed. All right. Passed. Well, you know, good. And that's what matters. <laughs> it's all about all right. the grade. <laughs> Moving on to our advice section. So what advice do you have to someone entering their first years of teaching and someone entering their last years of teaching? Uh, first year teachers, it, you know, a thing I would say is to teach with intention. And that comes right out of CMP, you know, and that, that idea of having a plan, um, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, it's hard. Teaching is harder when you're doing it triage, you know, when you're in the moment and, and coming up with stuff. And, and frankly, I think that's some of the challenge that's happening right now is that so many music educators were so used to just getting in front of their ensembles, you know, if they're a performance kind of ensemble and just kind of winging it, right? Um, what's difficult now is that you can't do that on a computer. They'll eat you alive. I mean, you really have to have a plan. So like you said earlier, you know, that, that old adage of what would you do if there weren't concerts? Um, you know, and it, it's more than that. I mean, we don't even have rehearsals. I mean, it's all wiped out. So I think the thing, uh, regardless of the modality in which we teach, is always having a plan and uh, staying a few steps in front of the students. That's when the joy is when you're not scared, when you're not putting out fires. Um, and we all know that teaching comes with that, but you're gonna be in a better spot with a plan that allows you for, to have many options on how to react in certain situations. It's gonna help with everything from uh, classroom management to uh, asking better questions, to uh, again, in taking the moment to enjoy the learning that's happening and uh, because again, you're out in front of them and you're seeing the growth. That's when it's fun. Um, the other part for a young teacher is be curious, ask questions. Uh, no one expects anyone, uh, even, even a savvy veteran who's been out there for years um, to know it all. I mean, we just don't. This is too complex. This work is too difficult, too challenging. Um, always ask questions. Um, that'll help fill in the gaps. And does that apply to someone entering their last years of teaching or do you have additional advice? Well, the last year, I mean, I think it's, it's good for all teachers, but I would say for those entering their last years, it would be to enjoy the students because I think that's the part you miss the most. Um, 
you know, I've had a couple of my close friends retire and, and my mentors now are at that age where they've retired and uh, talking to my former teachers uh, and mentors and so on. The part that they all say 100% is they miss the kids. They don't miss the paperwork. <laughs> they don't miss the politics. Sometimes they, they miss the interaction, the human connection with students. And I think that's the thing as you get to your final years, you know, is to just really soak that up. Because uh, again, that's the part that we have the privilege to do on a daily basis and it's something that we should cherish. Great, thank you. And on to our final question. What are you currently listening to, watching, and reading? Um, I'm listening to A Promised Land by uh, President Obama. It's on my and, list. And, you know, there's, I can tell how good a book is. Usually when I'm running, you know, I, I, I you know, I'm out a mile or two and then I'm like, I got to take notes or, you know, or, or I even like, run faster sometimes or I run slower or I just lose myself and I'll end up going seven miles or something. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, and this body shouldn't go that far, but it's like, I'm so into the book and I found myself with Obama and I don't know exactly what it is, you know, but um, I mean, I have some guesses, but it, it, it's just telling the story of how he got to where he is and just kind of an inside look of what it was like. And I think that story hasn't been told. And so I find it very fascinating. And um, is he reading the book on the audiobook? Yes, he, he is. So it's from his voice too, which is it's from his voice. So you hear the inflection, you hear the pain, the sorrow in some his the jubilation. I mean that's what really kind of pulled me in. It's like, oh, I can listen to him read it. And uh, it's just been fascinating. I, I just love that. It's been, it's been good. So that. Have you, um, have you read Becoming by Michelle Obama? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the two, the, it's different takes on it, obviously, but very similar. And, you know, in their respect and love for each other. I mean, that's obvious. And uh, again, the intent um, behind it. But I think a lot of people just don't realize what it takes to run for office and the the risk that goes with it in a way, but also just the amount of time and energy. And um, I, I just, I kind of marvel at that. I, I find it just unique to our democracy and with everything that's been happening in politics. Um, I just find it fascinating right now. And to, to hear his story, especially with the backdrop of, 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 of all the unrest um, and the work that we still have to do in our country, um, and coming back from South Africa just about a year ago. I mean, all those things are swirling. Nelson Mandela. I mean, there's just a lot swir swirling around right now. I just finished Stamped by Jason Reynolds and Ibram X. Kendi. And uh, it just has me thinking a lot and uh, about where we are as a country and what we have left to do. But hopeful, optimistic, just like he, he kept saying, you know, I, I'm hopeful and optimistic that we can live up to um, what our founders had envisioned, right? A, a more perfect union and how we can actually get there. And what about watching and reading or does that, I mean, that the Obama book can count as reading? Well, yeah, I finished Netflix last week. So wow. congratulations. <laughs> it's no longer shows, it's entire platform. So um, <laughs> no, I'm watching more and more news, which I don't think is so good, probably for my mental health. So I probably should get away from that. But you know, it's, it's a lot of listening, um, reading articles, um, 
Facebook for me is one of those things where I find it's like a vortex. Like I'll just find myself absorbed into it. And it, and there are great, there there really are some fantastic idea sharing that happens there. I'm probably more more than any other platform. It's just allowing myself the space to do it and time. So I'm really trying to be more careful and intentional about how I'm using time, making sure that I balance it better with family and health and still doing some of these, these other things uh, along with the teaching that's going to help inform my teaching more, um, but also do some of the projects that I want to do too. So yeah, mostly listening. That's good. We all can do more listening in our country, I think. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to add for the listeners before we wrap up? Uh, just uh, hang in there. <laughs> right. But it is this, I, I guess the one thing uh, that was told to me by Brian Balmages, um, you know, during a, a recent kind of workshop, he just said, this is going to end. This is, this is going to end. This is not forever. And he just said, imagine how, how amazing it will be that moment we come back. You know what I mean? And we're back doing what we did. It may still look a little different, but we will come back and it will, this will end. And so I take that, that optimistic approach and I do look forward to that day. I envision that moment often. And I think that's what keeps us going. We have to think about when we get to do it again. Well, I'd like to thank my guest, Chris, for joining me today. I've learned so much from you in the past three years of knowing you, and I'm sure I will learn more. And your students and the families you work with and the teachers you work with and the student teachers you work with are so lucky to have you in their lives. You are such an amazing resource and stay curious. This was so much fun and thank you so much. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of My Teacher Friends. Send me an email and let me know what you thought of today's episode, if you tried any of our teaching tips, and how they worked for you and your students at myteacherfriendspodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, remember, teacher friends, take a deep breath, relationships matter, and never stop being authentically you.